This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world. What a mighty and awesome God we serve. This is the day the Lord has made. We're rejoicing and we're glad in it. As we prepare for our message on this morning, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Our subject for today, quit worrying, pray right. Let us pray. God, our creator, sustainer, redeemer, one who loves us and cares for us so much, we come before you on this day acknowledging that we have not been everything you called us to be. Said some things we should not have said, done some things we should not have done, and have not said some things we should have said, and have not done some things we should have done. But God, we are so grateful for how you brought us through. We are thankful for how you continue to guide, direct, bless, and keep us. So Lord, we ask right now that you would speak to us, we your servants, that we may hear from heaven, that as you speak to us, God, we your servants may hear, but not only be hearers, but doers of your word to do your will, your way. Bless us in this day, that we can truly be a blessing unto others. Let us learn, let us grow, let us do. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. Quit worrying, pray right. Our concentration today out of Philippians chapter 4 will be verse 6. Verse 6. And it reads, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I believe you agree with me that our world, need, our world needs fixing. Yes, our world needs fixing. Look at conditions throughout the world to include climate change on a global level. Everyone wants world domination. Yes, it's either kill or be killed. Not only do our world need fixing, our nation needs fixing. Hatred of each other, I mean, never seen it at such a level before. Hatred of humans who used to be friends and relatives. Hatred at an all-time high. Algorithms on Facebook leading everyone to believe what they believe is the only right way 
and everyone else is crazy to believe what they believe, so we argue in disbelief as to why someone else can believe what they believe. It's crazy. But not only our nation, our state needs fixing. Laws of voter suppression enacted throughout this state and throughout the nation, states following our state and trying to fix something that didn't need fixing, hadn't been in a voter fraud. But yet, we have these laws that will suppress the vote. Discrimination and inequality abound. Our country, our state, our county, our city needs fixing. People literally killing one another because, well, they have beef with each other, can't stand each other, frustrated about even ideas that one may have for another. Even the church needs fixing. Last Sunday, we mentioned conflict and confusion in the church. But Paul had the remedy. But if we'll be honest, if you will be honest, if I will be honest, the truth be told, we need fixing. Our amen goes right there. We need fixing. And that's the beginning of how we fix the problem of this world and of our nation, of our state, of our families. We need to admit that we need to be fixed. We are the problem, but we also are the solution. One song says, oh, fix me, Lord. Oh, fix me. Oh, Lord, fix me. Fix me, Jesus. Fix me. Hallelujah. Another song says, it's me. It's me. It's me, oh, Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh, Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. We don't have to worry about what needs to be fixed. There's a lot that needs to be fixed. Even ourselves. There's a lot that needs to be fixed. But we don't have to just concentrate and worry about everything that needs to be fixed. So today we're saying, quit worrying. Just pray right. Last Sunday we mentioned conflict and confusion in the church. But Paul said this. He said, rejoice and be glad. Wait a minute. Instead of worrying and instead of being confused and frustrated, Paul tells us, the apostle Paul says to his church, rejoice and be glad. Out of all the confusion going on in the church, particularly between those two women, and yet there was confusion, there was a lot going on. The remedy, what he says to us, is to rejoice and be glad. The question comes, how can I rejoice and be glad? How can I not worry about it? Whatever it is, how can I not worry about it? Well, let's say this. Quit worrying. And the first step is to pray about it. That's what we're talking about. You have a series of sermons, and this first one dealing with how we can pray right. We have been called and empowered to serve this present age, and we are more than confident through him who loves us. We got this. Come on, we got this. We can fix it. We can fix it. Yes, we can fix it. Yes, go ahead, type it there. Quit worrying. Come on, let, let, let's, let's help somebody else. Just type, quit worrying. Stop worrying. Don't worry. Come on, go ahead, type it in there. Quit worrying. Somebody needed that right now because somebody's sitting up worrying about how this is going to happen or how that's going to happen. Or, and some people are, are developing ulcers over it, getting sick over worrying about stuff we have no need to worry about because God has given us everything we need to get through the situation in such a way that he can get joy, that he can get glory, that he can get praise. How are we going to do it? We are empowered to do this. We have this. 
We can fix it, but how? This text shows us by having a secure mind and heart. If we are to conquer worry and experience the secure mind and secure heart, we must meet the conditions that God has laid down. And there are three conditions we see in this text. It's right praying, right thinking, and right living. That's right. We must pray right, think right, and live right. But today we're going to look at praying right. Apostle Paul admonishes us to not be anxious. He says, stop worrying. Be a part of the solution and not the problem. Stop worrying. So seeing that we want to be used by God to do what he has called us to do, let's look at the right way to pray. Paul says this to us. He writes this. Notice what he does not write. Paul does not write, just pray about it. He's too wise to do that. He uses three different words to describe right praying. He says, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Right praying involves all three. Well, first, let's look at adoration and confession. Verse 6 again says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The word prayer here is the general word for making requests known to the Lord. It carries the idea of adoration, mm, devotion. It carries the idea of worship. That's what Paul means when he says by prayer. He's saying by adoration, by devotion, by worship, by looking at who God is and thinking about who he is and how he can do what he, nobody can do but him. Whenever we find ourselves worrying, our first action ought to be to get along with God and worship him. Don't stand there or sit there or lay there worrying about the mountain, but concentrate on the one who made the mountain. Don't, don't sit there all confused about how you're going to make it through when, when God has taken you to whatever you've gotten to. He knows you're there, and he's greater than any problem. He's greater than any situation. He's greater than anything you may be going through in your life. All we have to do is concentrate on who he is. He's worthy to be praised. It's, it's the word telling us adoration is what is needed. We must see the greatness and the majesty of God. We must realize that he's big enough to solve our problems. Let me say it again. We must realize God is big enough to solve our problems. Too often we rush into his presence and hasten to tell him our needs. When we ought to approach his throne calmly, and in the deepest reverence we possibly can. Oh yes, I know. Our time is short. We need to hurry and pray. And many times we just call him, call, just say something real quick. You know. And, and another point. Let me just say this to us. Many times we say, well, you know, I'm so, I'm so uh, familiar with God. He's so close to me that I don't even call him God. You know, I just say, what's up, buddy? Well, that's fine. But, but if you're saying, what's up, buddy? Say, what's up, buddy? With reverence behind it. Say, what's up, buddy, knowing that the buddy is like no other buddy you could ever have. But if you're saying, what's up, buddy, know that he's a buddy who sits closer than a brother. Know that he's somebody who you reverence, who you adore, who you want to magnify his name. Honor the Lord. Yes, make sure that when we're going before him, you're going before him with reverence. You're going before him with a heart knowing 
that he is God and he can solve whatever problem and situation we have. Have you ever had a situation and you needed someone to, to help you? Have you ever had a situation you need someone in court to help you? Or oh, it's good to have your attorney. It's good to be good with the DA. But when you know good and well, if you know that you have the ear and the compassion of the judge, you go in there with a little more confidence. And I see people all the time who kind of butter up to the judge. You know, the judge wants to say, hey, your honor, you folks dress right, look right, smile right. Just a good day, your honor, isn't it? Or just be real quiet. Or be real quiet. But, but the, the thought is, and, and we should, and let me let's say this, and we should give honor to folk in position. But it doesn't matter of whatever position a person might be in, no one is in a higher position than God. So think about when you go into his presence, that you don't have to literally go to a specific place, but he can be right, he is right where you are. So take time to honor him, to reverence him. Slow down, go calmly and honestly before him. God, our creator. God, my sustainer. God, my deliverer. Take time. Not, not, not just to call words. No, no, no. Not just to call words. It's to realize his majesty. Realize he's bigger than any situation we might have. We must not just rush into his presence to tell him our needs. We ought to approach his throne calmly in the deepest reverence that we possibly can. That's the first step in right praying. It's adoration, but it is connected to confession. Because when you go to him in prayer and, you, and you're able to adore him or you, you're able to realize who he is, you're also realizing who we aren't. Right. We're not God. And for the most part, we have to be honest. I'm not, I'm sorry, not for the most part. Period. We need to be honest with God. There are some things we haven't done that we should have done. There are some things we have done that we should not have done. I'm going to pause right there. Give you time to think about it. There are some things you should have done that you did not do. There are some things you have done you should not have done. There are some things you did not say that you should have said. There are some things you did say that you should not have said. Guilty. When we come with that attitude, when we come before God, I, I, I've heard people say it, God will come before you as an as a empty pitcher before a full fountain. That, that's, the, that's what we're thinking. We're thinking, God, you have everything. And we, we're, we're only worthy to come into your presence because you allow us to. We have to come with a mind of confession and a heart ready to confess to him. He already knows. He knows we messed up. He knows we haven't been everything we ought to be. But he wants to know, do you know? He wants to know, do I know? He wants to know, do we know? As we humbly come before him to worship him and adore him, we come confessing that we've sinned, we've come short, we haven't been everything we ought to be. That's the first step in right praying. The next, as Paul puts it, would be supplication. Supplication is an earnest sharing of our needs and problems. Let's look at uh, chapter 4, verse 6 again. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer, adoration, confession, and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
There's no place for half-hearted, insincere praise. Let me say it again. There's no place for half-hearted, insincere praise. No. You're going to pray, you ought to mean it. Take time. When we position ourselves before God, who can do anything but fail, we ought to go before him humbly, confessing our sins, confessing that we're in a position that we can and should do better, but then get to a point of talking to him and asking him, we ought to do it with a heart that's sincere. And it's not about a whole lot of words. It's not about much speaking. Matthew 6, 7, 8 shows us. It's, it's not about just saying a bunch of words. God is not impressed with our words, how worded we can be, how long a sentence we can put together, how long we can stay on our knees, or how long we can lay in our bed and just pray and say words. No, 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 it's not about that. It's about the sincerity of our hearts, the sincerity of what we're saying to God, even in good times. Don't just wait till things get so bad that we got to go to God in prayer because things are so bad and so terrible. No, we ought to take time to sincerely pray to God in the midst of even great times. I know it's been said before, and I've, I've said this numerous occasions. Do you realize that there's sometimes that the only time we'll pray is when we're in a bad situation? Think about it. God wants to hear from you. God wants to hear from us. God wants to hear from me. But if the only time we'll talk to God is when we're broke or when we're sick or when the circumstance is so bad we're in trouble, if that's the only time we'll talk to God and God wants to hear from us, doesn't it just make sense that that's why he allows us to stay in these situations? If that's the only time we're going to sincerely pray to him? Oh, I want to admonish you today. Go ahead and pray to God, even if things are not bad, even if you're not sick, even if you have money, even if you have joy and things around you. Whatever's going on in your life, take time to talk to the one who wants you to talk to him, who wants to hear from you. Pray with a sincere heart. Hallelujah. You do that. God loves us. God cares for us. Our Father wants to hear from us. And he wants to answer our sincere prayers. We have not because we ask not. Notice when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus prayed, look at how he prayed. Even though disciples were with him and should have been praying with him, but they were sleeping as he prayed. And when he prayed, he prayed, and it says he was sweating like great drops of blood falling from him. That's praying, y'all. That's supplication. That's asking God to move as only God can move. He was trusting and believing God. Get this. I'm just saying supplication is not a matter of carnal energy, but of spiritual intensity. Yeah. It's not a matter of how much energy you have when you pray. I can pray. I can holler. I can whatever. It's not about carnal energy, but it's about spiritual intensity. Yes. What is the prayer doing to you? How is the prayer moving you? And is the prayer moving you because you're sincere in what you're saying to God? And then, after adoration and confession and supplication comes appreciation. That's giving thanks to God. Notice how he puts it in, again, in verse 6. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer... 
and adoration confession and supplication, you ask him, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, I know that normally when we do this and I, I teach us, I teach us, it's act. It's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, then supplication. But as Paul puts it, he puts supplication just before thanksgiving. But, but I want to say to us still, we just have to make sure that we're grateful. Certainly our father enjoys hearing, or any father, the father enjoys hearing his children say thank you. Yes. Most parents love to hear the children say thank you and not just be ungrateful and snatch whatever you want to snatch and get whatever you want to get. It is always great to say, it's always great to be grateful. God loves us, he cares about us. Notice how Jesus took note when he healed the ten lepers. The lepers came to him and he told them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Here they were, ten men who had leprosy were separated from the rest of the population, could have no interaction with the general population. But now they had a chance to be cured. And Jesus told them, go show yourself to the priest. Now at least they did what Jesus said. Keep that in mind always. Please do what the Lord said do. But they went. But as they went to the priest, they were healed. As they went, they were healed. And one of them, Jesus knows this, one of them returned back to tell the Lord thank you. Mm. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for, for changing my course in life. Thank you for making it possible now I can be employed. Thank you that I can now take care of my family. Thank you for the difference you're making in my life. At least one, but only one out of the ten return to give thanks. We wonder, is the percentage any higher than that today? Are we eager? To ask God, but slow to appreciate him for the things he has done, is doing, and even will do in our lives. We ought to take time to tell him thank you. <clears throat> we'll know that right, right praying is not something everybody can do immediately. Because right praying depends on the right kind of mind. This is why Paul's formula for peace is found at the end of Philippians and not at the beginning. We're in Philippians chapter 4. If we have the single mind that we see in Philippians chapter 1, then we can give adoration. How can a double-minded person ever praise God? If we have the submissive mind that we see in Philippians chapter 2, we can come with supplication. Would a person with a proud mind ask God for something? Hmm. And if we have the spiritual mind of Philippians chapter 3, we can show our appreciation. A worldly-minded world person would not know that God has given him anything to appreciate. So in other words, we must practice Philippians 1, Philippians 2, Philippians 3, if we're going to experience the secure mind and heart of Philippians chapter 4. Paul counsels us to take everything to God in prayer. Y'all know a song like that? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry. What? Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless. Stay right there. Oh, what needless pain we bear. We'll get some pain. But oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we do not carry. What? Everything to God in prayer. We are prone to just pray for the big things in life. 
And we forget about the so-called little things. We forget about the little things. We pray for the big things. Big things. But when we fail to pray even about the little things, the little things sometimes become big things. Come on, take everything to God in prayer. Take time to have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your troubles. He will hear your famous cry and he'll answer by and by. God is calling us to pray and to pray right. Talking to God about everything that concerns us. We're talking about everything that concerns us. We're talking about everything that concerns him. It's the first step towards victory over word. So the result in all of this is the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Remember, when Paul talks about guarding your heart and your mind, this is the way to get the peace. This is the way to not have to worry. Remember that Paul was chained to Roman soldiers, guarded day and night. And in like manner, he's telling us that the peace of God will stand God in these two areas of our life. Yes, the peace of God will stand God over those areas in our lives that will create worry. The heart because of wrong feelings and the mind because of wrong thinking. When we give our hearts to Christ in salvation, we experience the peace of God. Let me say it again. When we give our hearts to Christ in salvation, we experience the peace of God. But the peace of God takes us a step farther into his blessings. This does not mean the absence of trials and tribulations on the outside. But it does mean a quiet confidence within us, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of people, and regardless of things. Notice this, as I close. Daniel is a great example. He gives us a wonderful illustration of peace through prayer. The king announced, King Darius announced, that none of his subjects were to pray to anyone except the king. Those who did not like Daniel, those who were hating on Daniel, pushed the king up to make this decree that no one should pray to anybody or give any honor to anyone but the king. And if they did do so, they would be cast into a den of lions. Well, when the decree came out, Daniel, who had been used and constantly always prayed, even after the mandate came out, Daniel went to his room opened his windows, and prayed as before. That's in Daniel chapter 6. And note how Daniel prayed. Look at what it tells us in Daniel 6.10. He prayed and gave thanks before his God. Hallelujah. And made supplication. Verse 11. Mm. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. It's already showing us again, even in the Old Testament, how that we ought to do even now. And look at the result. The result was perfect peace in the midst of difficulty. He could go and be cast into a den of lions. And while in the den of lions, he's able to be there all night long. Lions. Lions. Those who want to eat. Those who they've been using to, to kill those who Christians. They've been able to, to kill others. But notice, Daniel is in the den of lions. All night. Daniel is in the den of lions at peace. While the king, as we find in Daniel chapter 6, could not sleep. He stayed up all night long, concerned about Daniel. But it was the king 
who had some level of faith, that the very next morning ran to the dinner lines, moved back the stone that was pulled there, cried out to Daniel, Daniel, was your God able to deliver you? Daniel said, King, oh King, cool, I'm chilling, it's okay, it's all right. My God has delivered me. Oh my goodness, can you hear me today? There he was in a den of lions. Notice I didn't say lion's den. Because a lion's den might not have lions in it. But a den of lions means the lions are present. Hallelujah. And yet Daniel was able to come out of that den of lions. And just in case somebody thought it was a fluke, the Bible is clear about it. The king had all of, of Daniel's accusers, all of those who tricked the king into signing his decree. The king had all of them thrown into the den of lions with their families. And they were immediately devoured. It says, even before they were able to hit the floor of the deep. Understand that God is moving in a special way. Quit worrying. Pray right. The first condition for the secure mind and secure heart and victory over worry is right praying. Somebody prayed for me. Had me on their mind. Took the time to pray for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. Jesus prayed for me. Had me on his mind. Took the time to pray for me. Somebody say, I'm so glad he prayed. I'm so glad he prayed. I'm so glad he prayed for me. He prayed for us that we might be one. He prayed that we might be the church he would have us to be. He prayed that we would have the victory that only God can help us to have. He prayed because he knew as he came through 42 generations and went about doing good, he prayed that we might be sustained out of all the trials and tribulations we have to go through. Jesus went through all kinds of things as he walked on this earth, as he lived on this earth. He was talked about, he was abused, he was criticized. But can you see our Lord and Savior? And we celebrate it on today. We remember the sacrifice that he made. Can you see him? As they took him from judgment hall to judgment hall. Can you see him as they whipped him all night long? Can you see him as they marched him under Golgotha's hill? Can you see him as they put nails in his hands, nails in his feet, with a crown of thorns on his head? Can you see our Lord and Savior as he hung on the cross for all of your sins, as he hung on the cross for all of my sins? Can you see him as he died? But the story doesn't stop there. They placed him in a borrowed tomb. He stayed there all night Friday. Stayed there all day Saturday. Stayed there all night Saturday night. But early on that Sunday morning, I said early on that Sunday morning, he got up from the grave with power. Power over the grave. Victory over death. He ascended into heaven and sent back the Holy Spirit to live in us and to guide us. To teach us and to help us to pray right. That God might get the praise, the honor, and the glory. Oh yes, my brother. Oh yes, my sister. The first step to quit worrying and to get things right in your life and to work things right in this world is to quit worrying and to pray right. Oh yes. Jesus can fix it. God can work it out. If you let him, just trust him. God can do it. Or you may be here today and you're listening. You say, well, I need the Lord in my life. I believe God can make a way out of nowhere. I believe he's my bridge over troubled water. I believe God loves me. I believe God cares for me. Well, God loves you. And if you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you can do it right now. 
Pray this prayer with us right now. Pray this prayer to accept Jesus into your life. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised from the dead, you shall be saved. Let's be willing to repent, to turn from our sins and give our heart to God that he can do wonderful and marvelous things in our lives and give us peace in the midst of our trials and tribulations. Give us peace in the midst of the storm. Give us joy in the midst of sadness. God can do it. If you want to accept him, please pray this prayer with me. I'll lead you in the prayer, but you have to pray it yourself to receive it into your life. You have to pray it. I'm just doing my best to assist you in praying it. So pray this prayer if you want to accept Christ. Say, Father God, I have sinned. I have not been all you want me to be. I am sorry for my sin. I want to turn from my sin. I believe in my heart. Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. I'm willing to trust you, God, all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life and help me to be what you want me to be. I will tell others that you saved me. Thank you, God, for saving me right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's celebrate with everybody who prayed that prayer. We thank God for you today. If you prayed that prayer, uh, we want you to be able to, to uh, go ahead and click on to that, that QR code right there, the, the, the QR code. Go ahead, click under that, and if you're able to get that code and take you to a form, you can complete that form. We'll be able to get back with you the information you give us so we can share with you how you can be first a disciple of Christ. You prayed that prayer. You are now a disciple of Christ. You also have an opportunity, if you would like, to become a member of First Half Baptist Church. We thank God so much for you. And uh, if you need, you can call us at 912-233-6597. But we want to connect that God might get the glory. So we all can teach each other to do those things God would have us to do. We thank you. We appreciate you. We ask it for all of you now to prepare for communion. If you need to get your uh, communion supplies, or the bread and the food of the vine, prepare yourself now to do that. And we're going to read together our church covenant. The church covenant is a promise that we make with each other and with God. It's what we're saying as a congregation of First Alpha Baptist Church that we're doing with each other and with God as we give God our heart, our mind, and soul, and we work together as one body in Christ. So let's turn to our church covenant and let's read together. Having been, as we trust, brought by divine grace to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ and to give ourselves wholly to him, we do now solemnly and joyfully covenant with each other to walk together in him with brotherly love to his glory as our common Lord. We do therefore in his strength engage that we will exercise a Christian care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully warn, exhort, and admonish each other as occasion may require, that we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but will uphold the public worship of God and the ordinances of his house, that we will not omit closet and family religion at home, nor neglect the great duty of religiously training our children 
and those under our care for the service of Christ and the enjoyment of heaven. That as we are the light of the world and salt of the earth, we will seek divine aid to enable us to deny ungodliness and every worldly lust, and to walk circumspectly in the world that we may win the souls of men, that we will cheerfully contribute of our property according as God has prospered us for the maintenance of a faithful and evangelical ministry among us, for the support of the poor and to spread the gospel over the earth, that we will, in all conditions, even till death, strive to live to the glory of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make us perfect in every good work to do his will, working in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. As we come to the table, we come remembering how much God loves us. This is all about love. As we learn to pray, as we learn to prepare our hearts and our minds to be more what God wants us to be, we come to remember that he did it for us. He did this for us, for you and for me, that we might not only have a right to the tree of life, but that we can have life everlasting. God loves us. He cares for us. Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. When he assembled with the disciples in the upper room, he took the bread and blessed it, broke it, gave it to them. He took the fruit of the vine, blessed it, gave it to them. As we come today, we're preparing our hearts and our minds, even as right where you are, that you would get your communion supplies, that you would get the bread, that you would get the fruit of the vine. And let's prepare now as we ask God to bless these elements, that his will can be done in our lives as we are obedient and doing this so God can get glory. Let us pray. God, our creator, sustainer, redeemer, and deliverer, one who loves us and cares for us so much, we come humbly before you. We acknowledge that our sin is ever before you, that we've sinned and come short, and that the ways of sin is death, but the gift that you give us is eternal life. We come humbly, God, knowing who you are and who we are. We're so grateful, God, that you constantly bless us each and every day. The fact that we right now can experience this Lord's communion on this Sunday, we give you praise. We thank you, God, just for being God all by yourself. We thank you for Jesus who died for our sins, rose from the grave. And now, God, we ask in a special way that you would bless these elements, change them from a carnal use to a spiritual use, that as we partake together, we will be stronger. We will be better able to do the work you call us to do, the way you want us to do it. Help us to trust you, God, with all of our hearts and lead not to our own understanding. And God, if for any reason any baptized soul feel that they're not worthy to participate, please change their hearts right now. Create within us clean hearts and renew a right spirit within us that you might get the praise, the honor, and the glory. Bless these elements and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As they assembled together in the upper room, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and he broke it, and said, This is my body, 
which is given for you. Take, eat all of it. Amen. Praise God. Likewise, he took the cup and said, this is my blood which was shed for redemption of sin. Take, drink all of it. Amen. Thank God. As we've shared together and we give God praise for his love, his grace, and his mercy. This year is fastly, fastly, fastly going through. We want to remind you to continue to wear your mask. Continue to watch your distance. Continue to wash your hands for at least 20 seconds regularly. We're in the midst of COVID and we're looking forward to being back together real soon. And for everybody who has not been vaccinated, please get vaccinated as soon as you possibly can, that we can soon be back together. Those who need a booster shot, get the booster shot, just so we can fellowship together. We love you. We thank God for you. Please don't forget to give. You can give through Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. Yep, just see, give, tap, done. You see it. Please give. Uh, and we ask if those who do not want to give through Givelify, you can send your contributions, your tithes, and your offerings to First African Baptist Church, 23 Montgomery Street, Savannah, Georgia, 31401. Please feel free to give. We thank God for you. We also ask that we remember our showcase that will happen on Thursday night at 6.30. Join us and share with us. And always thank you for joining us with our Sunday school every morning at 9 a.m. Thank you for joining us with Zoom and also Facebook for our Sunday school. Again, we give God all the praise, the honor, and the glory. Thank you for taking this time to share with us right here at First African Baptist Church. And we ask as we go and grow in God that we would allow God to give us the peace that passes all understanding. Let us pray. God, our creator, sustain. Again, we thank you, we love you, we adore you. Guide us, protect us, keep us, and use us as we seek to grow and be more what you have us to be. And now we ask that the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit would rest, rule, and abide with us, now, henceforth, and forevermore, that all the people of God say amen and amen. Remain connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website, firstafricanbc.com. You may also contribute through an app called Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us.